Looking across the land, reboots everywhere, movies, TV shows, video. Oh, we're not going to do that today, people. We're not going to do that today, people. We are going to talk about movies, TV shows, and video games. Welcome back, people, to Need More Info, a podcast about the worlds of movies, video games, and TV shows. I'm your host, Nate, and today I'm joined again by the lovely Fergus and James. How, how are you guys doing today? Hello. Great once again. Thanks. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Awesome. Uh, how, how's how's your how how have you been since we we last spoken? How, any good any good games played? Anything any fun activities for for the last week? I've been getting myself back into uh, Fallout Four myself last night. So uh, that's uh, another old playing out of out of sky on the game of year, and I'm getting back into Fallout Four. So uh, it's gonna be going through the uh, old games again. That befez the hype train, as it were. Hmm. Uh, this weekend. I went to Becky Machine's album launch party, which was amazing. Um, check out the album Another Atmosphere on Spotify um, and buy lots of T-shirts. Oh, yeah. No, those T-shirts designs are amazing. Uh, if you look at the uh, the pixel advertisements for our episodes, people, specifically for the video game soundtrack episode, uh, the design that Becky was actually in was from her album cover. So that was really awesome. And But definitely check out the artwork. Unfortunately, I don't have the artist names credited. But it's an amazing piece of artwork, especially on the T-shirt, and it looked like you and you and a few of us had a good time there. Yeah, a bunch of us went went down to the show in London. Um, it was a pretty packed gig. Uh, a lot of people were there. The vibes were good. It was uh, Cavendish Arms is also a really good pub if you happen to be in London and into sort of like chill, cool, giggy vibes. Um, yeah, really good, really good time. Um, I mean, that's what we like to hear, you know. Uh, good packed atmosphere that <laughs> i did not mean to do that pun intended there but yeah no i'm really glad you had a great time uh any games aside from the uh becky machine uh album oh, Hello infinite of um, course yeah yeah uh it's good it's good fun uh it continues to be good fun so for me i i finished the boy boy i i finished the god of war yesterday and mate I don't know what they could do next. I heard that the developer Santa Monica is working on a new IP, but they were also working on multiple projects. And I don't know where they could go after this one because when you look at Norse mythology, it's quite more recent in history compared to like Egyptian and like you know Greek and everything. So where could it go next? The only place I could think of is Mayan or possibly China. That's or, or Japan. But mm. so many places are going to Japan now. Could we see a God of War? or whatever title it is, going to Japan for that period. Be interesting. What could it be? We will find out soon, hopefully. But it was brilliant. And obviously, uh, I'm going to go back and finish Gotham Knights. I'm literally in the final mission, but I basically stopped playing it because God of War came out. I was like, I'm going to go play that now. And also, the Steam sale has started, people. The Steam sale has started in the world, so that means my wallet is going to become a little bit lighter. I could finally play uh, Red Dead Redemption on my Steam Deck. I'm going to give that a whirl. That would be very interesting, to say the least. And I'm also thinking about doing a retro playthrough of all the Assassin's Creed games, or the previous ones, to see how they hold up, maybe possibly before the new Assassin's Creed um, Mirage comes out in the future. But yes, people, it is lovely to be back with you all. And obviously, if you were here for our last couple of episodes, we did our... Um, what was So we did our video game soundtracks episode, and then we did the Black Panther review, a Wakanda Forever review. That was a very interesting discussion. Uh, definitely go check it out, people. It's an amazing film. Really go check that out. It's uh, it's so good. 
But today, people, we're going to be uh, doing something a little bit different. With how the world's going recently, and uh, specifically with movies, TV shows, and video games, ironically, to do this podcast, James Gunn is now leading the DC film, well, the entertainment industry from the from the entertainment point of view. How do we ha- uh, let's uh, let's let's get this initial thoughts? So how do you guys feel about James Gunn essentially being the Kevin Feige of the DC uh, universe? Good choice. I thought basically his uh, Suicide Squad was exactly how it should be done. And he's proven himself at being able to handle a large series of um, a large range of different superheroes. I'm not convinced they should be copying the model of Marvel by having a coordinated multiverse because you're going to have too much to keep track of. If DC does a lot of standalone films with a range of interesting directors and their own sort of production bubbles, I think it would do something a lot more interesting than what marvel is currently doing sorry well <laughs> the thing is no no i totally get that and uh have you guys seen werewolf by night yet i know you haven't no not yet. disney plus but so basically it's, it's it's a one-off special it's called a special presentation it's literally an introduction to this character it's a one-off 50 minute episode event a lot and supposedly with the success of that they're actually looking at doing a lot more of those like um and also the guardians of the galaxy holiday special is out tomorrow which is a prequel to the Guardians of the Galaxy free movie. So Fergus is like, shit, I'm going to have to watch that now. No, that just conjures up memories of the it's Star not, Wars Christmas special. It's not the Star Wars special. I know everyone's <laughs> been making that joke. I know. But to be fair, that did introduce us to Boba Fett, in fairness. So, you know, oh, Boba God, Fett was in the yeah. holiday special. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, there's no life day in uh, the Guardians universe. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but no, again, you know, it also, have you seen the trailer for the holiday special? I've seen the thumbnail for the YouTube trailer and decided not to click on it. Okay, yeah, because there's a big <laughs> there's a big character in there I did not expect going to be in there. It's quite funny to be honest, but again, it's only supposed to be like 40, 50 minutes long, so it's not a long thing, but like mm. the entire cast is in it. It's got a good budget and it is a direct prequel to Guardians 3, the end of the this kind of Guardians team. So I think that's a great way to do it. And also, I know James Gunn has basically like a lot of people have been hashing on him for going over to DC and Marvel. But I know that I know basically he the first person he spoke to pretty much from what I read in articles was Kevin Feige when he got the job. And Kevin Feige was like, Yeah, but you gotta finish Guardians free first before you can you hop over there. And I think James Gunn's just great in that regard. You know, you were right, James. Um uh the fact that he does ensemble casts really well. And also, I know you guys haven't seen Peacemaker yet, but obviously since that's a continuation of the Suicide Squad, I highly recommend it because it shows he could do such large scale properties and smaller scale as well. So it does, and it's TV. He's done movie and TV now. And also going to your point, Fergus, of like the Marvel method, I think DC is going to be different in the sense that we're still going to get the Batman movies. So we are going to be getting offshoots. So I, I don't think we have any worries there. I've heard that they've re, they're re um, tinkering the Green Lantern TV show to focus on John Stewart, which I think is a great choice because that's who I know from the Justice League animated TV series. And he was going to be in the um, the Zack Snyder Justice League movie, which we won't talk about as much anymore. Uh, and obviously we're getting Henry Cavill back and more hopeful Superman, which I'm hoping for. DC just needs a bit more light, in my opinion. Like it, mm-hmm. it, was too, it, it got too dark. Like I can understand having a dark, dark movies, like, have your Joker movies, have your The Batman movies, but have a range. It was all going one one genre direction. 
Yeah, so um, I ended up at a Comic-Con panel uh, with some uh, comic book writers who'd worked for both Marvel and um, DC, and they made an interesting comment about what their Christmas parties are like. Uh, DC is 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 identity is very dark so we'll be on like gothic rooftops with people dancing on poles and lots of pyrotechnics west marvel's more free pizza at a american diner kind of deal i think that kind of feeds into what they produce i could see that but even so though like these the way the best way to look at it is i think james would agree with me here look at your dc animated movies they worked well yeah. for so long. Mm. And, you know, Batman yeah. Under the Red Hood is one of the best adaptations of Batman ever. And, you know, also, Jensen Ackles, I'm just saying, is the right age now to play Batman at peak time, so get him in to play the role, you know. Also, he was just Soldier Boy recently, so he's playing his superheroes now. But I think, like, it'll be really interesting to see where they go. And, uh, and I know they've also saying that they're possibly going to be revealing the eight to ten year slate in a few months' time. So they have been working on it together, which is, which I'm very happy with, you know. And also, I don't think you get James Gunn in and you and you, and you, you just destroy it. Because do you remember how they had this 10-year plan years mm. ago now? I don't think you get James Gunn in now and not and not have this. I'm hoping maybe James Gunn could come up with a way to bring Batgirl back. At least, you know, let that movie come out, essentially. I think that'd, I think yeah. that'd be a great thing to happen as well. Like, give it a one-off, you know, just a one-off. You know, people might enjoy that. Put on streaming. This is what I mean. Like, um, you lose films like Batgirl if you go for a highly coordinated effort of all the storylines having to meet with each other. So if, like, Batman sneezes, there has to be a series on DC.com about the guy who was shocked and dropped his coffee because he was shocked at Batman's sneezing. Like also another thing is I will give Zaslov this. Like and it's the one thing I will say. Batman has been the focus for far too long in DC's eyes. Like he has been yeah. they put Superman to the side for almost for 10 years now pretty much. And yeah. I know I know Superman and also it's a whole I think it's a I think this is actually a discussion topic for another episode where Everyone sees Superman as the Boy Scout or the, the character is too easy to do, too simple to do and everything, or too difficult to do in some regard, because how do you make, how do you make a complex character from a, a, to a good person? All I'll say is watch the show Superman and Lois, because they do dive into the fact that being a good character doesn't always mean it's easy. Like, you know, the resistance, the, the resilience to break bad, essentially, is the toughest decision in the world. Superman uh, Breaking Bad uh, crossover episode. That would be hilarious. Um, Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, I, I, I just feel that Superman's kind of been left on the back burner because he's very squeaky clean as a character um, and we're living through quite grimy times. And you know, So I, I was just going to say, you, you having Brian Cranston as Lex Luthor and uh, Saul Goodman as Harvey Dent? I mean, that, all that. That's 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 quite a good casting, to be honest. I, but the annoying thing is, like putting them back into roles are just another IP. I will say, Fergus, if you ever get the chance, that if James has seen it, there's a movie called Superman versus the Elite, where basically this a superhero team come in and they kill the they kill the villains. They're like we're we're just gonna kill you, get out of the way. And it comes to a point in the movie where Superman, his moral his moral compass is just like broken, and they finally snap him, and he shows them what will happen if you if you 
fuck Superman over. And it just mm. shows you do not fuck with Superman because you can easily destroy everything. And yeah. I think that's, you know, I think that's such a moral high ground for him as well. And I yeah. just think also, I know Hans Zimmer did an amazing job with the uh, Man of Steel soundtrack. I will give him that. But I know in the Black Adam movie, because we all know he's back now, um, they used the John Williams theme, which is very interesting to me. They're using that theme again, because at the end of the day, I think it's synonymous with the character. You can't, when you think of Superman, you don't think of, you, you may think of the Hans Zimmer theme a little bit, but the John Williams theme is really where it's at, to be honest. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, obviously we're getting into, <laughs> we had like a nice 10 minute discussion on that, but today people, we are going to be getting into movie reboots and uh, TV reboots. So basically the idea is, as we said before, all these reboots are happening in the world now. And we decided today to do our own versions. If we were given, we've, we were given the IP for two properties, we're only doing two today, people, what would we do with that? You know, how, how would we, how would we take these properties and how would we, um, how what would we do differently compared to what was done before as we go through it we'll do I, i've done a bit more i've done a bit more in-depth uh discussion or points to talk about than the other guys possibly we'll go on about directors composers actors possibly and then we'll have a roundhouse discussion for about 10 minutes each per per uh choice and then we'll crit you we could critique it We'll also give opinions on it and then we'll move on to the next one. And that's what we're going to do today, people. I think it's, you know, very interesting to see what approach we take and maybe maybe get a few uh, Hollywood directors to come our way in the future to, uh, you know, see what we'd uh, put that way. So, right, guys, uh, I think it's time we uh, we get into the episode, like the main topic. How do you feel? Let's do this. This is going to be an interesting one, I think. Sure, go for it. Although I will warn you, I think I might have uh, a slightly different interpretation of the topic when it comes to my... <laughs> well then this is going to be very interesting then to say the least people right uh so let's uh start in alphabetical order today with fergus hello so uh this is an interesting one so um it's an anime surprise surprise uh tv show uh i've done one tv and one film here um so this is i'm a spider so what um this came out as a anime in the uh 2021 winter season and was okay right so explanation it's an isekai so dungeons and dragons so someone gets reincarnated after dying in the real world and then they come back as a dungeons and dragons style character complete with all the stats buffs and modifiers and all this kind of abilities and hp and this sort of stuff uh right um so for some reason an entire school gets blown up and a class gets reincarnated in this D world um and the book nerd character i guess um gets reincarnated as a spider in a dungeon hence the name i'm a spider so what it's really good for the first 12 episodes um it really, 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 really loses its way as as an anime. I think the novel and manga series do a better job uh, of it. Um, but basically what happens is the first 12 episodes follows the girl who's been reincarnated as a spider and she has to fight beasts and level up. And it's quite interesting to see the different levels of the cave and what basically her discovering herself as 
a completely new creature in a world where you have to actively manage your stats and HP and stuff, right? Um, but it does a very bad job of explaining all of the rest of the classmates. Like, it doesn't actively tell you that the people it keeps cutting away to uh, who are living normal lives as kind of like elite magic users somewhere else in the world are her classmates or who they are as the classmates or anything about the class who you could identify like character traits and uh, have any idea who these people are <coughs> so my rework of this show would be i basically get rid of the classmates <laughs> and just concentrate for maybe 12 episodes on the chick who becomes a spider um, she eventually uh, hooks up with the demon lord of the world, and then they go on a rampage. But it doesn't cover any of that, which it probably should be. And it doesn't do much world building because the class. I oh, my god, yeah, the show had so much. The potential. anger, people, Fergus. The <laughs> anger. <laughs> it's it's got some absolute bangers of uh, intro and outro songs as well. If you want to YouTube those, um, it's a very zany, interesting experimental series. That I am really upset lost its way quite so much, basically. So, um, can I? Uh, so, you, uh, this is a, something we discussed in the podcast before, people. Have you seen the show um, Rising of the Shield Hero yet? No, not yet. I will so get around to it. It has a, it has a very, very, very similar concept in a, mm. in some essence of basically like a, a four people are taken to this world. Where it's like a video game, they have to they have to level up their character. They are given a specific weapon. They have to defeat the evil in the world, uh, and it does centralize on one specific character mainly in the show. Mm. And from the sounds of the show you're talking about, it seems to have focused not just on one character but multiple. Well, it starts out focusing on the one character, and then by like when we get into episode thirteen, it's a twenty-five um, episode long series and when past episode 13 it basically starts ignoring the main character you've spent the first 12 episodes world building with and it's just like what is this <laughs> i don't know who these people are <laughs> i mean so how um what would you do this as a live action or an anime or will you do would you do no, definitely keep it as an anime i mean i would probably keep the director maybe um uh, this is directed by Shin Itakagi. Um, the link won't let me see what else he's directed, but I'm sure it like it is a fairly um, well-known uh, mm, animation studio. So this is Melon PC. Um, they've also done things like oh, they did the Berserk television series. Oh, that probably explains a lot. Yeah, they did the Berserk 2016. Uh, show which you may know by its reputation. Uh, so I've, I don't watch. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of anime at, like outside like the mainstream shonen stuff. But like I heard about because Berserk the 2016 was 3D as well. If I'm correct, and that was a big yeah as well. That is also a bit of a problem with this show. Actually, I'm a spider. So what? Like all of the beasts are very, very obviously CGI. Uh, so ideally, they would no longer be CGI. Uh, I would get rid of basically all of the classmates from <laughs> the novel series um and just have the story concentrate on our spider protagonist hooking up with the demon lord and going on a rampage 
uh, basically. I so, think that would be very satisfying. It's very interesting you say about that because basically, like, I know 3D animation is a is a really sensitive subject as well uh, in regards to TV shows yes. because, like, I I watch a show called The Dragon Prince on Netflix. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's created by one of the, it's created by the writer from The Last Airbender, which is obviously one of the greatest mm-hmm. Western animes of all time, or probably is the greatest Western anime of all time, in my opinion. Um, and this show was renewed for like seven seasons by netflix like it was given a seven season run which is great and it is 3d animation in the first season they did uh that sort of like what you call it that 12 frame animation style where basically like it looks like into the spider verse in the first season the entire time it was kind of frustrating where they but they changed it in the second season going into the second season the 3d animation works a lot better but it's entirely 3d the entire world's 3d whereas for sounds for this anime you're talking about it's the blend of that, and I think that could be the major issue for yeah, it. Yeah, that that is pretty jarring. Um, as I say, it and it, CG trying to look like anime is a bit of a turn off because it never really works. I mean, it is excusable because the show is quite fun and it makes it a lot easier for them to just do giant dragons at the cave and them getting eaten by spiders who need to get the next level or what have you so i've forgiven it largely for the cg stuff uh i mean it'd be better if it wasn't there um but um yeah i mean still watch this on things like crunchyroll or probably just watch the manga i mean it's a recent adaptation as well if i'm correct as well isn't it uh yes so this manga first started rolling out around about 2015 the show started airing in 2021. Um, so it's got a good amount of content to actually like still go through as well. Uh, yes, as far as I'm aware, the manga is still uh, sh- um, being put out there. Uh, light novel series went for seven years and 16 books. So I think, yeah, there's probably a lot more content than was ever presented and probably more in depth with more explanation as what is going on well it could also be a uh, pitch for spider-man 4 <laughs> yeah i i mean I, I i would like to see that spider-man versus i'm a spider so what i mean there is a japanese spider-man uh like it's a kind of spider-man i mean obviously we had the uh we had the asian uh spider-man uh penny i believe her name was penny from into the spider-verse who had the robot spider but also, there was that seventies live action Spider Man TV show. If you've ever uh, seen that before, I have seen clips. Yeah, and there's yeah. rumors. There's rumors he could be in the <laughs> across the Spider Verse movie. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, people. But uh, that's awesome, man. Uh, any 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 closing comments in regards to that show? Um, I very much doubt that this series is going to be remade in any shape or form. But um, this it's is out a dream. To... This, this, is dream, my dr- this is my dream. This is my dream. Maybe in 10, 15 years. Um, my recommendation would be uh, watch it, but only the first 12 episodes, then give up. Wow. Okay. That's, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, or, or watch the first 12 episodes and then go over to Fergus's future show when it's created in the future. Yes, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. But that's awesome, man. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So mine is going to be... Or it's basically going to be how I would redo The Dark Knight Rises. Interesting. Okay. I, I like this. Is a, I like this. Okay. Yeah, cool. So there's a lot that I do like about Dark Knight Rises, but then there's a lot of 
But also, I think a lot of people have the same kind of feeling. There's a lot of kind of like, why did a lot of stuff happen? It's a lot which doesn't make sense. I mean, why the hell did all, all of the police force go into the sewers? It's just, first of all, get rid of the absolutely asinine decisions like that. But in terms of completely reworking it, um, now I've not read the comics, but I know one of the things I want to do is based on one of the comics from which I know Dino Rice was inspired by. So first of all, I completely change the um, is it John Blake. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I just completely change his character. He's no longer John Blake. He's no longer in inverted commas Robin. But he will put, I'll probably still keep him as a cop. But he'd be a lot kind of like much rougher, and you, you know that he's kind of like uh, a, bit more, a bit more of a live wire. Essentially, when the shit goes down, when Batman leaves uh, for self Gotham after Bane breaks his back. Back, I would have this new cop character I've created. He would become Azazel, Azrael, Azrael. Yeah. That's it. I say Azazel, that's a demon, but yeah, that's I kept thinking I, I Azazel when I was thinking about the story. I kept having to cut myself as well, but no, he would, yeah, and he'd be Azrael. And one little other trick I want to do as well, which it's still a bit of a pet peeve that I don't like. When they up stakes in films and have it like these world ending events, I find that kind of boring. It's the reason why The Dark Knight is the best of Nolan's trilogy because that conflict is personal. But it now, is global. Still... But it is global. It is a global. It is a global movie. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, but what I would do is keep the trucks, keep the Nixon truck. But early on. I'd want there to be a, success, a, a successful attempt to disable the nukes, but the person who disables it dies in the process, which means you then have the whole kind of, this whole Bane's having a go at uh, Batman and Gordon for keeping this lie from the end of the Dark Knight in order to protect Gotham, but then they're having to keep up the potential of a lie that Gotham's in existential danger with the trucks, even though they now know that it's not. And then you and then you have Azrael kind of um, going into more kind of um, more violent, more kind of like lethal methods, and really uh, putting the villains uh, up up against it. And you have you have a proper war zone essentially is what you want is is what I would want to create, as opposed to at, at, at the end of it, it's, it's, it feels like it's kind of yeah you have some silly scenes at the end of it where where, where you got massive amounts of police just running into automatic guns. No, you want to have the feeling of a proper war zone, proper combat resistance fighters, Azrael directing it all, uh, but, uh, but really showing his brutal methods. And then when Batman comes in, it's not just him defeating Bane and returning order, it's also him defeating Azrael and trying to return, re- return Gotham, have the saviour of Gotham not be a completely lethal kind of um, reckless force. So, in regards to the time frame of this, uh, this, so I know uh, Dark Knight Rises takes place. Uh, I think it is like five to seven years after the Dark Knight, if I'm correct. Six about eight. Six about eight years. Yeah. So, would you obviously like the the the, the narrative I thought you were going to go with was the Dark Knight Returns because obviously it does use the No Man's Land concept going into that, and it ta- has like you know warring factions and has the the main mutant villain and stuff like that, but also a much more grittier Batman. So. 
the I like the concept of um, you know Asriel in this because obviously he is the, a lethal protector as it were, and also he has his own principles. Um, it's sort of like a, 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 tri- a triangle of confliction, essentially. You know, you're neutral, you're good, and you're bad, which I think is an excellent concept. Would you remove uh, Talia entirely from the uh, from the plot? That's a really interesting question. It's, it's, it's something which I would harmonize. I'm an R over. I know why. I can understand why Nolan put Talia in there because it ties back into the first film. But yeah, I would probably. I, I think thinking about it now, I probably with my new thinking of how I would want to do things, I probably would remove Tyler because I don't think it's needed. Um, I think Bane, Azrael, Batman would be the, tri- would be the uh, triangle that you need. But then the question nothing. is, the question is, though, with Azrael, you said he's taking out these people. You know, having the League of Shadows there still would would be the people that, um, you know, Azrael is taking out. So it could be, like, basically... Batman's been defeated, and then uh, Talia and Bane think they've won, but then there's this new shadow, shadow character taking out their lieutenants, and they don't know what's going on. But then it becomes apparent halfway through, or three quarters of the way through the film, that this isn't Batman, and that's where the concern starts ramping up. And then Batman returns. Did not mean to put that, throw that pun in there. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, and then it has that conflict, because also... I think, like, I do like the aspect of, like, you know, the whole no man's land concept, of the, you know, and how how this worked out and how Gotham is a desolate place now. I love that idea. Would you, um, keeping the nukes in place, though, like, I don't know how, like, would you throw him into the pit still or would it just be his back's broken and he has to heal, like, in the comic books? I think throwing him in, in the pit still works because it's it, it means he's way out of the way and he can't affect... The, effect, the events of in any way, he's got no chance of affecting the events of a film until he returns. So I think I would keep the uh, whole pit thing. Would you have any character possibly hinted as a future Robin or helping Batman? Like, or is it more of a solo uh, venture still? It'd be a solo venture. I don't think I, I don't personally think we would need Robin in in that particular movie. Uh, for, I mean, start a new franchise. I don't think I, I don't think Robin fits fits in well with uh, Nolan's. Um, I mean, it could do, but it doesn't, doesn't fit well within uh, how I would do that film. So, no, I wouldn't have problem. Okay, fair enough then. Um, had you have any, do you have any comments, Fergus? Um, I really enjoyed the original film. Um, so, I would be a bit skeptical about making that many changes to it. Um, in terms of it being a three way rather than. Um, in not people. intended. <laughs> uh, we don't rather... want to break backs in that way, people. Dark <laughs> <laughs> Knight it... was a uh, free way. I mean, it definitely rises to a degree. Um... <laughs> oh, yes. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. I was going to say it might overcomplicate things a little, but I'm sure you can get around that. Easily, you just need you just it just needs to be handled well, but I, I don't yeah. think it does at all. It's I mean, it would be a page one rewrite and it would be keeping certain themes from, from the film, certain aspects. But uh, you you would obviously want uh, you, you want some of the key themes actually, uh, free first to be completely changed. So you want the emphasis to be on the, the lie because you're going to show the both basically your base hypocritical need to maintain what is now a lie when when his bombs are diffused and he's trying to keep 
uh, that threat above uh, over people, even though that's mm. no longer a threat. Uh, and then you also want, but you also the key free thread needs to be um, with Asriel in terms of uh, what protect, what is actually a good protector, what is the danger of somebody going going ham. And I wouldn't, I actually probably wouldn't have just have Asriel going lethal on the league. I mean, that'd be his prime target. But I think in order to hammer home that he is someone that Batman needs to stop, I would have him uh, going uh, going lethal against those pe- pe- people who uh, dislike his methods and are trying to stop his stop for those methods. Question uh, in regards to his his uh, equipment, though. So obviously, as a uh, Asriel, he um, he has like in the comic books, he has specific like tech from certain factions in his own right. Um, would you say possibly at the beginning of the movie that you know um, John is working with Batman to a point, and then let's say the bat breaking scene takes place in the Batcave, so that way uh, he, uh, you know John gets access to um, he knows where Batman's equipment is, so he's able to manipulate the technology to his about a twisted advantage to a degree. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, that works actually because that makes. Also makes him more even more of a threat than, uh, and a need for Batman to stop him. So yeah, that's that's not that's not a bad idea actually. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, do you have a okay? Let, let's throw this out there. Like I'll, I'll talk. I'll, I'll ask the question, then I'll talk about it for a little bit. But do you have a new title that you could you would call this movie possibly? Uh, the Dark. What do you think? The Dark Knight kicks ass. Uh, that's a I like. I like that. You yeah. know, or or the Dark Knight's end. Uh, maybe I'll have to think. Maybe I'll come up with something by end of the by end of this uh, podcast. Yeah, sounds good then. Right. So we're now going to go on to my uh, first choice. So obviously, you know, I've not done a film series at all here. A film, both of mine are TV. So obviously, I'm a big TV man. So I've hinted before this episode started to Fergus that um one of the things I spoke about now myself and Fergus we are quite on with the uh, the NMI Twitter pay- page. But can does Fergus remember the uh, the property I am about to talk about? Now, what mm, could it be, Fergus? Not off the top of my head. So um, basically, it was a property that came up recently. It had a bad adaptation, and I was pissed off with it. And how would you make it better? And I wrote I wrote a Twitter post to say how you'd make it better. It's, oh, okay. Is it Cowboy Bebop? No, but that's actually a good choice. But I think I, I was, I'm not against the Cowboy Bebop and, uh, live action, by the way. I think they should have finished that show. It only needed one more season, in my opinion. And that could have easily been done, in my opinion. Go on, Fergus. Use the use it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's been a movie and a TV series recently. Mm, it was on Netflix. No, it was on Netflix. Um, it was cancelled. Half of Netflix. Uh, yeah, that is true, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> should, I, should, I, should I just run yeah, out for you? Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, not I'm talking that. about Resident Evil. Uh, <clears> yeah. 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 That makes sense. So, Resident Evil for me is, uh, is a very interesting property. The fact that we've had the Six Million Zhivakovich, uh, how we pronounce the name, films. You know, even though what final one was called the final, um, the final movie, even though at the ending there's still monsters around, which really pissed me off. I bought all those movies just to see, like, because I, I watched the Welcome to Raccoon City movie. Go check out our review, people. You'll find out my opinions from that film there. I think I give mm-hmm. it a 4 out of 10, and or a 3 or 4 out of 10, and that's very low for what I do. It is a terrible movie. It's completely terrible. 
And I just I had to go back and watch the Resident Evil original movies because I felt the fact that I was too harsh on them. Like I really enjoyed the first one. I thought it was very good. Obviously, it introduced me. To, it introduced a lot of people to Slipknot as well. Like because obviously mm. they did the soundtrack for that. The second one was was okay. I enjoyed it, but mm. the ending still pissed me off. The fact that Nemesis was taken out by a helicopter. But for me, like I felt they they went off the rails. Like the whole point of Resident Evil is you're stopping the apocalypse. You know, you're preventing this from occurring or an outbreak does occur, but then it doesn't go any further. You know, you look at all the games. So you have Resi 1 contained to a, um, a castle or laboratory, Resi 2 and 3, um, Raccoon City, 4, uh, the Los Pregos viruses in the village, 5 in Africa, and so on and so forth. They're mm. all contained to specific areas. They don't go global at all. That's the whole point. It's, it's the containment of this virus and the prevention of this occurring again. And then usually there's a high stakes thing at the end where you have to escape or whatnot. So I looked at the TV show that came out recently as well. And the fact that they did an Albert Wesker based TV show, which I thought was very, very confusing at first, because again, Lance Reddick, he is an amazing actor. Like he's an amazing actor, but the fact that they did this, like he has two daughters is split between the past and the present and the future. Sorry, the present, and the future. There's a line in the first episode about shredding her CV because he can't get hired at Pornhub and Zootopia porn. I don't know why the fuck those lines were mentioned in the show, to be honest. It's, it's fucking stupid. And I, it was one of those shows where, as these guys know, I do try to get through a TV series if I can. I will push through as much as I can to complete a show. As we mentioned with Cowboy Bebop, it wasn't perfect, but I think it, give it, you know, take the notes away and do one more season. Rings of Power, they are actually doing this. They are taking all the criticisms from the first season and implementing it into the future seasons. It can be improved. But the Resident Evil show, I knew it was I knew it was dead on arrival, which was really frustrating because they've got they've got such a great property on their hands. So what I do is I'd do a limited edition anthology series, like that's it. It's it's um six to nine episodes, you know, divided evenly, so two three or two or three episodes per game. Do Resi one, two, and three. That's it. But what I do is basically I'd focus on the uh, the genre of uh, TV show or game it was. So Resident Evil One is more of a suspense thriller horror. Like it's it's more horror based. You know, it's it's more shock and awe essentially. So what I do is, this goes into my second one as well. I'd hire multiple directors who have specific influences going into these types of properties. So for the first one, because it's more tension based and more, you know, um, there are action sequences as well. I would hire either two of these directors. And a writer specifically. I'd hire either Scott Derrickson, who did Sinister, Doctor Strange, the first movie, and also The Black Fern, a recent movie as well. I think that's a great uh, way of showing that basically he can handle 10 cent sections extremely well. He can handle action sequences and, you know, in a Tohara degree aspect. The visual cues can work really well. He works well with CGI. It's very good in how that would work. Uh, the writer would be Robert Cargyle. He worked with him on Sinister and also um, Doctor Strange as well. Apologies for the car in the background, people. Uh, and I just think like that would really work. The other director I think could also work for this is David F. Sandberg, who did the um, who directed the Annabelle creation movie. He created that short film back in the day called Lights Out, where it's like in the hallway and the light goes on and off, and like you know a, a, a creature's there, and then he did a feature film. But he's also done the Shazam movies. He's directed. He's he's gone from you know lighthearted to horror. He blends it extremely well, in my opinion. 
And I think having a director, and also he he taught himself a lot of like techniques, visual techniques back in the day. So he's very, um, and also he like, you know, he puts a lot of his animation work online and how he actually does that. So I think he's a very creative director. I think having like, you know, they pump all these budgets into these type of properties. And, but the, the, the how do you put it? The basically the nuance that basically what makes it good disappears, mate. It just focuses on the, the CGI essentially or the, the action set pieces. Make Resident Evil 1, set in uh you know the, the the mansion and the laboratory make it extremely tense let's say you know if we did keep it to two three episodes as well we these don't have to be hour-long episodes they could be 40 minute episodes at most you know with end credit sequences as well disney's proven that at the moment with andor it's a 12 uh, episode show it's proven really well for that it's sort of anthology sequences uh yeah do that so basically have that in in, in, in approach there and i think that would work really well when it comes to resident evil 2 and 3 that's where you could go more action-based because though it's it's more of a stalker like resident evil 2 and 3 are stalker proper games but they do have the horror and action set pieces you know i'll talk about another property later on as well that works for it but i think edgar wright would be great for this i think he'd actually i think he'd actually do really well with this in my opinion because they're also b they do have b comedy elements as well you know it there are there is humorous elements that does play into them uh, Dan Trachtenberg, who did the recent Prey movie. So obviously a, a, a lone hunter hunting down a female character. Ironically, Nemesis hunting down Joe Valentine would work really well. Or, now I know you guys would appreciate this, Alex Garland, who wrote the script for 28 Days Later. And also he wrote the screenplay for Dread as well. Now, and uh, yeah, I think that just shows how, you know, he can he can handle, you know, big action set writing big action set pieces but also have a, a very contained story within that like a very personal story and uh, because you know you are following these people throughout a city in a very contained situations but the pace has to consistently keep going you can have uh very short sequences when it comes to that you know you can have like breathing room because i feel they do need this but it does work, work out really well any thoughts on any, any initial thoughts on this at all um, you could do something similar where, uh, similar to the um, that Star Wars thing where they sent it out to all the different animation studios. Star Wars Visions, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you could do uh, it's, it's a, a um, Resident Evil Visions sort of deal. Maybe it wouldn't quite, you would need the episode length to be able to fit in the games. Uh, so maybe it wouldn't fit particularly well, but in a similar sort of vein. But I think the problem is, though, that basically I'd give this an 80 to $100 million budget or £100 budget and just say, OK, this is your free games. This is your free. These are your free games in a six to nine episode run. That is it. You know, a single season of Game of Thrones had a bigger budget than that later in the seasons. Restrict their budget, make them think more creatively going into it. You know, the entire first Resident Evil, the recent Resident Evil movie had a $25 million budget. I'm not going to hark on that film anymore. Go listen to the review people. Uh, I've also got casting in mind for this. So uh, Chris Redfield, I think Chris Evans would be great for this role, in my opinion. Or Jensen Ackles. That's why I brought the name up earlier. Jill Valentine, I, um, Emma Stone, I thought would be a good choice. Uh, Alicia Vikander, who was the recent Tomb Raider. Unfortunately, she won't be coming back for that. Or Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was in the 10 Cloverfield Lane, the recent movie 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is another Dan Trachtenberg. Oh, no, yeah, he directed... Um, 
the 10 Cloverfield Lane movie. So he's worked with her before. And also she is, um, I think she's an amazing actress and I think it would work really well. Let's go across to Resident Evil 2 and 3. Uh, so obviously Joel's in 3 as well. Claire Redfield, Florence Pugh uh, would be an excellent choice. She's an amazing actress. I think she's the right age for, as well because she's slightly younger than, um, you know, Chris Redfield, the younger sister. Or Maya Hawke. Uh, so this actress, she, her father is has worked with, um, obviously, you know, you know Ethan Hawke, her, who her father is. He's worked with um, Scott Derrickson before, so there's a there's a tie there. But also, um, she was in the recent, uh, she's been in the recent seasons of Stranger Things, and I think she does have a great presence, a great atmosphere to her character, like her her acting ability. Uh, Leon Kennedy's the interesting one. Uh, Joe Creary, he's he plays. Now, you might know the character of Steve from Stranger Things. So he has the hair automatically from, for Leon, in my opinion, big, the big floppy hair. Uh, Dylan Sprouse. So this is um, uh, Zach and Cody. Uh, so Dylan Sprouse, he's in Riverdale and all these properties. And also Dylan O'Brien. He's from the Maze Runner films, American Assassin. He's the actor that's not being... Uh, he's also in that movie, uh, Love and Monsters, uh, that was recently on Netflix as well as the main character in that. Uh, Carlos Olivier, uh, Diego Luna, who's in uh, Andor. Or actually, I was thinking about uh, uh, Tena Cuerta from uh, Black, Ma Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I thought he'd be a good choice for Carlos Olivier. And the Wesker, uh, I think the two people in mind are Michael Fassbender and Anthony Staff, who plays Homelander in um, The Boys. Like a, a, menacing, a menacing blonde presence, essentially. And that's how I do it. I think, that's, I think that's how you go about it. I wouldn't give the property to Netflix again because I think they're ruining video game adaptations in my opinion like live action I, I will preface this live action adaptations um avatar is going to be the deciding factor i think for them their video game adaptations animation they're killing it absolutely amazing but the live action i don't know what's wrong i really don't but that's that's my that's my first choice awesome is that me up next then so unless you unless you unless you have any closing comments and all that or uh, I would do it as an animated series. Of course I would. <laughs> um, I admit, I've never played a Western Evil game in my life. Um, never seen any of the shows, so can't help you there. But sounds interesting. I think the, the interesting thing is, because if 1 to 3 works well, you could do a 4 and 5 as a separate series, and then you could do 7 and 8 after that, because Ethan Winters has his own story after that. You know, create these anthology series of these these games, and then that's the best way to approach it, in my opinion. Mm. And I think having these specific directors who have who have sh who have strengths, I think it would work out really well for them. And also, I think it also add unique visual flair and unique uh, direction to each specific one. So yeah, and also massively boot boost sales of the back catalogue of Resident Evil games. Yes, and Which Resident Evil has been doing really well, to be mm. honest. It is still a popular franchise. Uh, they just need to do a lot more with it, really. I mean, they have got the four remake and the first person game in the in 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 the game yes. in the bag as well. Yeah, I know, but more, <laughs> more, always more. An illegal spy agency discovers the theft of a prototype weapon. Derek, codename Confused Llama, and his handler Frank, codename Majestic Vol, investigate the theft. A naive man with fanciful notions, Derek sets out on his inept journey to reclaim the weapon from villainous hands, unaware of the hidden tale following him. Enter the world of Confused Llama, 
A Spy's Tale, a short comedic spy thriller available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Uh, so me, me for my number two. Um, so this is a film, anime again. That's um, surprise, surprise. Uh, controversially, this is Akira. <laughs> oh no, this is going to be a. Uh, this is the ta- this is the taboo anime adaptation, dude. It really isn't. Well, okay. So have you have you seen the film? Yeah. Well, okay. Right. I saw. I, I saw. Like I was in college and I saw like most of it. But I think I've seen most of it. But also, I know they are trying to add it, adapt it at the moment still with Taika Waititi. Yes. Years ago. Yes. Oh, did you go to the cinema to watch it, James? If I'm correct. No. 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 So no. Some. 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 Some work colleagues were trying to get me into anime. And uh, they got me. They lent me a DVD to watch Akira, That's and also one. Ghost in the Shell. Uh, both, both I enjoyed, but uh, not enough for me to be, become you know, uh, any any kind of anime fan, unfortunately. Mm. So, okay. As what got me back into it, Akira was playing at the local cinema during lockdown, so I went and fell into a massive anime hole, and here I am. Um, but yes, so the manga. For Akira is massive. Uh, it is six hefty, hefty volumes. There is a lot of stuff that is explained that cannot possibly be fit into the runtime of this film, which is 124 minutes, which is not even that long, really. I know it's a classic film. I would keep the directors, I would keep all the actors, the animation is great, but it should. For just to make sense out of the story, uh, really be a 12 episode animated series, so maybe 12 to 13 episodes of 20 to 25 minutes each. I would say, would you'd be able to get to know the world better, you would get to know the characters better. There's an awful lot of subplots that are not really explained in at all. If in depth, and let's say the manga does cover it, so there is a lot of material to work from um i mean the the movie itself is very beloved just because it did introduce a lot of people to anime which they have stuck with for you know people who get into anime get into anime hard so it's a bit of a controversial one to say yeah let's redo this but um the story deserves quite a lot more really um the original manga was released in uh, 1982 to 1990, um, which was... Uh, no, I see the problem. The film was released in 1988, so they probably started making this in like something like... 85 or 7, like that? Eight, yeah, probably near 85, which means they were only... They didn't have the full... They didn't have half the volumes! Um, yeah, so I, remaking it basically exactly the same, but now with all of the volumes and a runtime to accommodate all of the volumes rather than half assing and guessing the last half of the film, which is more or less what happened there. Um, I think it could be like the ultimate 10 out of 10 making Death Note look subpar, like level of show, really. Um, yeah. Opinions? 
So this is interesting because obviously, you know, they've been trying to remake Akira for, well, or I say remake, they've been trying to make a live action Akira for many years now. I know, and also there's been so many like animation or like movie properties that have like been inspired by Akira or have paid homage to Akira, specifically that uh, bike drifting sequence. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. been a major thing. And I think that would be the major. <laughs> That's what people know about Akira, mainly. They know about that bike sequence. That is the main go-to, really, for, for mainstream audiences. Yeah, basically. there's so much more to it, though. Like, um... I, take, I take away from it, it's just... I just, I just remember it being, getting really mad and crazy towards the end. Yes, that's what I remember as well. It, it gets yeah. it gets very complicated, and that's the issue with it. The, the, yeah, there's very little explanation as to why. What is this thing? What is Akira? Why does he, you know go nuts and who are this motorcycle gang why are they hanging out what they you know just everything needs more explanation <laughs> so can i put a a question to you then so mm. have you do you remember the movie chronicle it was no. the it was the handheld camera movie it was about three a group of friends who got superpowers and uh you know oh maybe michael b jordan, michael b. jordan was in it as well yeah, like you know yeah but, maybe so how could i put this so the Watchmen movie that came out with Zack Snyder, mm. he uh, critically changed the ending of the movie. Like the original ending of the movie was a big uh, squid. Like it was a big squid, you know, a psionic squid killing a lot of the world, which I can right. say in the Watchmen TV series that they did, they continued that storyline, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. But, and they actually kept, there's, go watch it, people, there's a lot of technology issues in that as well. But would you change how controversially complicated the ending gets to a more try and make it still as impactful but more simple for an an audience to watch? Uh, well, no. I'm hoping to give them enough time so they can actually understand what's going on. That like you would have two episodes of explanation of it's some sort of secret research facility, or it is an alien, or whatever it is, um, rather than oh, suddenly this thing happens with just next to no explanation um i mean the uh, psychokinetic toddlers are also part of that category there's just no explanation hold on so psychokinetic toddlers uh yeah there's a tv show that's been actually been pulling this off for about five six years now stranger things not seen it well it's like you know they have be... sorry it could be very because Stranger Things is eighties and Akira is a big eighties thing. It could that could be another influence. So the way I see it is also basically um, when it comes to this though with Stranger Things, they've gone into the whole upside down world as well. They've gone into like these you know this the mind flare and all these creatures, demigods. They have a D and D like aspect to it, and it's all these complicated narratives. You know, and obviously other countries get involved as well. And it is it is a, it is it is about kids and a, a kid led show as well, you know, a teenager led show. Mm. So maybe using that as an inspirational point. So like you know how and it and it was it was also written as a five series show season show as well. Mm. So taking that aspect into it, could that possibly work in regards to Akira? But it have to be uh, a much bigger budget. Much bigger budget, maybe. I say the six volumes. I don't know if you could do a series per volume. Maybe. Three and four seasons. Yeah, three and four seasons, maybe, potentially, if you're going to go really full into the world and side characters and stuff. So, um, in regards to like the budget, though, like obviously, from what I remember about Akira, it has very big visual landscapes. 
And I think Dread, uh, going back to Dread, that has mm. that has a similar, like, it's more a dusty approach to it, but the visual aesthetic is similar to a degree, especially oh, with yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a massive recreation of Neo-Tokyo uh, after Tokyo gets blown up in an apparent nuclear explosion in the 80s. Um, so they completely rebuild Tokyo and reclaim most of Tokyo Bay. So it is absolutely massive. It is, I say Tokyo is very... Um, like that now anyway in terms of light some big massive skyscraper rebuildings because i would say it's a large population um yeah it's one of the archetypal cyberpunk cities so i mean if you've played cyberpunk i think the game takes a lot from uh, neo tokyo especially certain regions especially putting the actual akira bike in there as well Yes, that was the first thing I went to do is try and find the jump seat I knew you would. on the bike. Yes, there are pictures on the internet somewhere. <laughs> but I think, like, you know, the idea of, like, you know, talk about the budget, like, I'm thinking you could stretch the budget out to a degree. So from what I know is the budget would get much heavier towards the end of the show. But in the earlier seasons, you could play tricks with it, essentially. You would be making it for a very, very discerning audience. Um, and potentially the hype around it could be massive. Um, I say, interestingly, the original budget was uh, nine million pounds, but I think that's nine million in the eighties pounds, which is quite a lot of money, to be honest. It's quite a lot of money, yeah. Um, total box office so far is mm, forty-nine million, so it's certainly making its money back. Uh, so I don't, I think it wouldn't be a controversial risk. Uh, the fact Taika Waititi is making remaking it as a live action live action film, I am actually looking forward to that. I'd be very disappointed oh. if it. I, like, I really like with his uh, with his Waititiisms in it. Yeah, I I, re I really go for that. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the story if he omits certain entire aspects and simplifies it. Because I mean, honestly, the film could do. Could benefit quite a lot uh, from that, but also it wouldn't be really doing the main story justice, and hence why I want to turn it into a more extended animated TV show. I say more of the same director, music. Like the music itself is very unique. It would be a very, very difficult thing to do, given how things currently are, and the certain people and artists who are involved uh, just don't exist anymore. Okay, interesting. So, but. Yeah, no, it's um I'm hoping to actually probably sit down and read the entire six volumes of manga at some point shortly. Um I've only seen bits so far. But yeah. Cool. Yeah, so for me, I don't really have a second one. Or although I'm gonna try and wing one right now and just you know on the fly try and come up with something. I'm absolutely gonna fucking wing this. So one so one film that I would like that I I feel I would like to change have a different version of it would be uh, Die Hard Four. So that's a film with um, Timmy Oliphant where they go all uh, I, I was not I, IT terrorists. Say. Now I actually think that's a good film and I think it's a good action film. Uh, but more thought about it over the years, I don't think it's a good Die Hard film. I think no Die Hard Five. Yeah. Oh. oh don't don't talk about five. Uh, <laughs> it's it's, it's very, 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 very rare that I that I give films an absolutely scathing kind of like score. But I, I did watch Die Hard Five. I, I didn't mind it at the start, but 
oh god the ending of Die Hard 5 I was cringing it was that bad it was absolutely dreadful but it was it was like they were trying to parody uh the really good diehard films it was just become an absolute parody of itself and it was it, it is so fucking cringeworthy the ending of that film um so for, for me diehard 5 does not exist that diehard 4 as i say i like but i don't think i, I don't want to see it as part of a diehard franchise diehard ended after diehard 3 you do not need to um you do not need to consider Die Hard four or five as canon in my book. I mean, it is a, it is a complete circle with uh, Simon and everything. You know, it, it is yeah. a complete circle with the Gruber brothers. It's absolutely true, which is why they probably don't need to do Die Hard four. I'd been happy if they just left it with the with the trilogy. Is Die Hard four the one where they try and uh, jump the car over the helicopter, or is that Die this Hard? Is, <laughs> it's, it's insane stuff like that, which is just this is not John McClane. Try. They meant to hit right. the helicopter. Right. They weren't trying to jump over it. Gotcha. It's the uh, it's the jet it's the jet sequence that makes me giggle oh, on the highway. Oh yeah, just walks on the fucking jet. <laughs> oh no. So the, the the idea of that kind of um, crazy stuff on Die Hard, from my mind. Um, okay, something might be unrealistic in the uh, first three films, but it feels plausible. For instance, in the first film, where I now know from things I've read and talked about, that sequence in the first film where he ties the uh, fire hose around himself and jumps off a building, that, that would have torn him in half. But if you didn't know the physics of it, it would feel plausible. Now, fucking walking on a fly in in-flight jet is not plausible in any way, shape or form. No one's launching the fucking car into a helicopter. Yeah. Can I propose that in the last two Die Hard movies, physics doesn't exist, or it is in a separate multiverse where physics is different. I mean, physics definitely dies hard. Yeah, I mean, I know there issues in those films as well, but as I say, I think it's it feels plausible in those films to an untrained untrained guy. It's not not clearly ridiculous, but it makes sense. No, I get that, yeah, and uh, you know, again, people, we are coming up to the Christmas season, and uh, I could definitely tell you now, I think we can all agree here, that Die Hard will be mentioned quite a few times going into the Christmas season. It is the best Christmas movie of all time. Ah, ah. For me, though, it's the best Christmas Eve movie of all time. It's not the best Christmas movie uh, of all time. Fair play. You're going to make that definition for now. After oh, thing. yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So is Die Hard 2 set at Christmas Day or not? Or was that also Christmas Eve? I can't remember. I have, it's been it's been a long time since I watched Die Hard Two. Like my favorites are Die Hard, Die Hard Three, then Die Hard Two. Uh, like with Vengeance is brilliant. Um, I agree. I agree with you. Two, two, two fair, It's the same. It'd be the same for me. Actually, I go one, three, two as well. Yeah, and um, also I think uh, one of the actors from the recent Black Adam movie, um, uh, Aldous Hodge, is actually uh, one of the kids in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, the Samuel Jackson's uh, kids. So I thought it was quite fun. I'm also, I do want to go to that street corner eventually, like, you know, which was, he kind of almost got it's fucked up. But yeah, no, yeah. It's, and also, <laughs> I, I, still, I still can't fully understand the water jugs thing from Die Hard 3, in my opinion. Really? Like, uh, yeah, Sorry, I don't... Uh, yeah, no, I, I can explain it to you if you want to. No, we'll, we'll say that for another episode, because that, that's, that's a thing for another episode, to be honest. But Die Hard 4, I do agree with you. It is a, it is a good movie. It is quite a good movie, yeah. like, looking back yeah. on it. And... The whole, you know, the U.S. economy falling because of the internet was was a, was a great example, and America yeah. definitely could have died hard that day. 
I had to keep throwing that pun in there somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It, it went too overboard in that regard. And I think Die Hard yeah. 3, Die Hard 3 had some like, like, come on. They drove out of a water system with water right behind them in a, in a, in a, in a truck. Like it, that went to like some big levels toward the end of the movie. But yeah. that was the big sequence for it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but yeah, Die Hard 4 so, could definitely work in that regard. So let's sort of think about what we could do in that case. So, let's, so in, in Die Hard 4, you have, um, you have his kid, you have his daughter. So let's just, let, 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 let's keep that. Now, Die Hard film, you've got a good holiday season vibe. However, let's change it up and say, let's say... I'm completely going off the top of my head here. Let's say it's not Christmas for for a change. Let's change the holiday. Maybe it's Easter, or maybe it's Halloween, or something like that. I mean, wasn't four set at um, summertime anyway, like around the Independence Day uh, weekend, like July weekend, if I'm correct? Oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's fair. But uh, I'm, so... I'm not American, so I don't understand that. So, uh, uh... so let, me throw, let, me, uh, let me throw this your way as well. What so obviously let's let's merge the daughter and the hacker character. So let's say the daughter she has like a science project. Let, let's take some inspiration from another film property. We won't talk about it at the yeah. moment because it's spoilers. But she's working on a college project where basically you know it's um this trade trade hacking ability sort of thing, a computer sciences thing, and it turns out her uh, program is stolen and it's used to essentially break the U.S. economy. And this is how you bring John. This is how you bring John McClane involved. You know, this it gives it more of a personal connection because also they need the final piece to bring down the U.S. economy, which means that John has to protect his mm. daughter from getting taken by the enemy. Oh, that's a good. That's a good idea. Yeah, right that there. does work. That does work. So, yeah. and, and 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 bring Liam Neeson in as, as well, and just 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 make it a full-on expandables movie. Just bring all the action. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, so, would you would you keep Timmy Timothy Oliphant as the villain? Because he's an amazing actor. I actually there. he is, but I but I should say I think Die Hard Four should have been um, an action movie, a standalone action movie, not a Die Hard movie. So I'd probably change it completely. I would probably first, first thing I want is I want Rational Vell Johnson back. I want him okay. uh, back, yeah. back as a back as a main back as a key character. So that would be the most important thing for me if if I was to do Die, Die Hard Four at the time. Now, I do have in my mind that you could potentially swap situations around. You could, you could, maybe you have it that he is somehow um, the one who's kind of like trapped, and in, instead of and then it's kind of like maybe I don't know John McClane is trying to save his buddy, and he's kind of like breaking into the hostage situation as opposed to uh, being in there initially. Okay, that could work as well. And yeah, always, like... Everyone plays at the wrong time, but I think you probably do need to try and get that somehow. But I think also you want something fresh, you want some twist on this concept. That's the tagline, though, dude. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time, but not this time. He's in the wrong place at the right time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that could work, man. That could work. That, that's the people. We are making a diehard meme that's not technically diehard. Uh, one question I would throw to you now in regards to diehard in general would you? Accept a remake of this film series for today's audience. So obviously, no, we're not re- no, interesting because no, obviously we're we're not going to be able to get Die Hard movie yeah. anymore because unfortunately, you know, yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis has you know retired from acting. Believe it, believe it. 
if you want if you want to create something which has a similar vibe, create a completely new series. With, but Die Hard is based on a book. I mean, it was inspired by a book. I mean, it's it's kind of, yeah. I mean, the first okay, so first film is based on a book um, by uh, by a detective series, and it's actually um, Frank Sinatra played uh, the uh, main character of that for a while, and he was actually had to, he had to be contractually. Asked whether he whether he was up for playing uh, the role initially in the first Die Hard movie. Although they did actually change, although it was quite odd at the time, so he passed on it. But they changed the name of the character. They changed quite a bit of of, of the story. They basically made it its own thing, even though it's kind of like in, kind of inspired by it. That's my understanding. So I'll call it kind of like. Inspired by rather than based on, so but have you uh, have you seen? I do know the right aspects of the first book for, of the first film that are by based on the book. Have you seen the movies that made us episode on this? I've watched so, that as well. Yeah, yeah. So That's exactly, it does actually go into that exact exact uh, discussion element in like regards to how you know they adapted it for you know how Bruce Willis was you know a comedy actor and how they brought him in and everything. And I think, you know, it could be a done. In my opinion, it's been almost, it would probably be 40 years by the time, you know, um, this property, you know, it could be adapted oh, again. The only stuff you need to remake is bad films. You don't remake. This is true. Bad. I mean, to be fair, I'm about to talk about a film franchise that has its highs and it's definitely its lows. So that's definitely for sure. But let's, uh, but thank you for that, James. So let's, uh, let's go on to my final choice, though, which uh, rounds out of this and also talking about how. Like, you know, you could take a film franchise to go from such a high to a burning train wreck, essentially. We are. Go- Can you guess what I'm going to be talking about? I gave you hints throughout the episode. Um, Star Wars? No, I'm not going to talk about Star Wars, no. So <laughs> I talked about, um, you know, the fact that we did an episode on time loops. I think that's probably the biggest uh, indicator. Um, oh, I was going to I do tomorrow. No. Uh, wow, I'm surprised. It's, not, it's the most famous time, pretty much... Groundhog Day. No, don't even pull that shit. Uh, yeah, it's I, like I, sorry, but, uh, you said it was the most famous one. Groundhog Day is the most famous time loop. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you because the property I'm talking about today is Terminator. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. It is the most, in my opinion, it's the most famous time loop uh, narrative, in my opinion. Mm. Apart from Groundhog Day. Sorry, James. Only because the time loop's not, I mean, it's not, I mean, Groundhog yeah, I mean it's more in a background with time loop thing. It's, it's especially with I've only ever seen a second film. I know I know it's a thing, but it's not something that I would immediately uh, go to. Whereas Groundhog Day, the whole time loop going back, constantly going back and redoing things, that was kind of I mean, what I was thinking. Like Tomorrow, that kind of there's now a lot of lot of films which have done that premise. Uh, certainly felt fresh when Groundhog Day did it. I don't necessarily associate that with Terminator, even though the time loop thing is. Um, it's more in the background in my mind, but I've only ever seen the second film. You've you've only ever seen the second Terminator film. That's very interesting. It's like Terminator One and Two. One is actually an amazing movie as well, and also Salvation. People people shit on Salvation, but I think Salvation tried to do something different. Um, it was there was one with Christian Bale as John Connor. So what I do for Terminator is is again a an anthology series. I, I'm I actually took inspiration from Band of Brothers for this, so like a ten episode run essentially. So what I'd do is I'd set this entire film series over 10 episodes, but I'd start and end at the same point in the show. So I would, as an essential time loop throughout the entire show. So basically, 
I'd have multiple directors for the show. Um, so taking inspiration from the Resident Evil concept of having directors taking different aspects of the show. And also the composers is an interesting one, which I'll throw to you in a minute. But let's say, you know, as Terminator goes by, you have your future sequences, you have your present and your past. So future sequences, obviously John Connor, Skynet, the resistance and everything. We know we know that's we know that storyline, but we haven't seen a lot of it. We've seen glimpses, we've seen the early stages in Salvation. Have either of you seen Terminator Salvation? Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that movie because it took like the earlier Terminator concept and the early days of the resistance. And like I thought it was a great concept. And mm. you know, it, it worked really well. Um Obviously, rest in peace to Anton Yelchin, who played Carl Reese in that movie. So, and obviously, it introduced the whole, it introduced a new aspect of like, you know, cybernetics and everything, cyborgs. Mm. But my concern is the fact that we've got too much in the present day. We, we, you know, it, it, it's, it's always been, you know, coming back, preventing Judgment Day. Judgment mm. Day is always going to happen, which I actually did like the aspect of Terminator 3, where basically it was like Judgment Day always happens. It could be delayed, but it's, 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 it's inevitable. This is uh, a theme that um, occurs in Steinsgate as well. Um, not to push it too hard into spoilers, but bring it back it, to the anime people. There, there, there is a well-defined reason for that in Steinsgate. So, like, what I do is basically I'd uh, do a ten-episode series. We're gonna we're gonna run through this now, people. We do ten episodes. The first episode would be about uh, Kyle Reese and John Connor. Carl Reese would be the protagonist of that first episode because obviously, you know, as uh, James might know a little bit, Carl Reese is the father of John Connor. Spoilers for almost a 30-year ep- uh, thing. And it deals with the romantic aspect between Carl Reese and Sarah Connor. You know, so we need to understand who this character is. Obviously, mm. in the first Terminator movie, it was a stalker movie and you could get the relationship between them, but it was very quickly paced. And I'd love a bit more uh, time with Carl Reese because I think he's a really interesting character to be coming from the future. And obviously he idolizes John Connor. I'd like to see more of that idolization and also, you know, fighting for this man. Not re- and, and then also seeing the conflict in knowing that John Connor knows that Kyle Reese is his son. And he's always going to be sending his son back in time. And it, the first episode deals with the, uh, the current events of the future world, establishing this world after Skynet, you know, seeing the massive danger that could come forward of what happens at this point. You know, it's going to happen. The world is fucked, but we know how it's going to play out. You know, we know... Um, and obviously in the first episode the resistance do win that is a narrative plot point you know they do win against skynet and that's and kairos is sent back in time i then go to the pat and i direct i'd have that directed by alex garland this is a director we mentioned before so obviously he did dread he wrote uh 28 uh days later i think you know um this uh director he and he is has excellent writing ability and also he's shown the fact that he can work with machines as well for ex machina so, like, I think I love the aspect there, and also he could he could do a really personal story with a very short amount of characters because obviously in the future humanity is pretty much gone at this point. You know, it's only the resistance, and it deals with really personal story of this one man's journey to prove who he is, Carl Reese. At the end of the first episode, he is taken back in time. He he goes back to the night. It would be the nineties by this point, essentially. Um, and then then we switch up directors. I think the Duffer brothers who have done the recent Stranger Things TV show would be great for this because there's a reason behind this. So it would it would then the first episode two and three would deal with the love relationship between Sarah Connor and Kyrie's. Let's say a 45 minute to hour episode. So a good two hours establishing their relationship, but also fighting the first Terminator, you know, the first 
Hunter coming back, essentially keeping the themes in place of like, because in the in Stranger Things in the first season, you had the Demigorgon, which hunted people. You know, you had Vecna. Uh, I, would, I don't want to go to too much spoilers for season four of Stranger Things, but it's someone who stalks and hunts people. You know, it, it's it's the inevitable terror of that, which the original Terminator movie is. T2 is more of an action movie. Terminator 1 is a stalker chase movie. That's how I do it. So that's episode two and three for the Duffer Brothers. I'd keep the Duffer Brothers again still for episode four and five, which say Sarah Connor and young John uh, plotline. So there was a TV show, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Great, amazing TV show dealt with like teenage John Connor, responsibility of the future, and Lena Headley from Game of Thrones and um, Dread as uh, Sarah Connor. She was an amazing casting. You need a physically strong woman uh, not physically strong, but a physical presence woman who can sh- who could give the you know performance there because she goes from you know waitress in a diner to this strong warrior character protecting her son, which I think there's a huge female narrative drive to this you know a mother protecting her child. Um, obviously, you have the bear and the cub story. Uh, it's a similar it's a similar principle here essentially, and obviously another Terminator comes back. It deals with the common consequences of that. I think keeping the Duffer Brothers on as well because. I take the idea of Stranger Things. We have a lot of relationships between uh, Steve and the kids. Even though he's a little bit older, he's still protecting them. But also uh, Sheriff Hopper and Elle, like the the relationship between adult and a child character and how, like, you know, the paternal instinct of protecting them to whatever degree they can. So I'd, I'd have that, you know, going through. And uh, then I'd go to present day. So Sarah... In, in Terminator 3, Sarah had passed away from cancer. That was a storyline, which I thought was interesting. And it would deal with, like, John Connor in the present day. Like, he, he's, 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 you know, he's, he's an out-of-the-wild kind of character. He's uh, a broken man. He, he doesn't know what to do in the world. He, he, he's, he, he has no direction because he knows what's coming. Like, he, he, he tries to prevent it. He's been in prison because he's tried to stop things happening. He's a very uh, uh, wrong side of the tracks character. I'd have this directed by James Mangold, who did the Logan movie. So basically, a, a broken man who doesn't know what to do in life. He 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 doesn't know where to go. And I think and uh, James Mangold is going to do the recent Terminator, uh, sorry, Indiana Jones movie coming up. I think that would work really well, in my opinion. That's episode six and seven. I think also, I think it would also allow him to meet certain characters which he would meet in the future. So it gives sort of like you know, he, let's say he meets five or six characters. We don't know who's going to make it to the future. Like no, some of these characters will, some of these characters will die, and it's the emotional, it's the emotional drive of him knowing he's going to survive, and a lot of these people aren't. And it's the real, it's the real sadness in that. I wouldn't have a Terminator for this area, in my opinion. I would, I would actually make it more of a slow burn, you know, because we're going to go into the future in a second, and I feel we need, we need like. John Connor has always been chased. We don't know the character of John Connor as a person. We just know him as the warrior. And I think knowing the character would be really well to have. I think James Mangold does a great job in Logan of showing the struggles of Wolverine at the end of his days. Ironically, we'd have John Connor at the end of days, like, you know, coming up. I then flip it over to, which I think was an interesting choice. Uh, I changed director again. Uh, So this is uh, early days, future John Connor. So the early days of the Resistance, episode eight and nine. It's, you know, the Terminator Salvation style, you know, it's building the resistance up. He does meet a young Kyle Reese at the end of episode nine. So it is, you know, towards the end of episode nine. And then it's the conflict of John Connor. It it deals with the conflict of John Connor in the next going into the finale. Is he going to send his son back to complete the time loop? 
it deals with like a mass it deals with the massive battles in the world you know the consequence of that because you know in band of brothers you had these massive battles that took place and it showed the scale of it which i think could work in a terminator franchise but i'd have it directed by denis Villeneuve because i think 20 blade runner 2049 in dune are great examples of sort of like a futuristic world which portrays um you know society at its lowest point sometimes but also it's technologically advanced point because obviously you know even though the resistance is like literally scraping for rats in the ground by the end point you know they're starving but they're driven with the technology they're hunting i think dini avenue's visuals art style would work really well for that and that's what i do for that finishing off they're going into the finale i'd literally end it with the final battle against skynet at the uh, the, the command center and then john connor's literally conflicting decision flashing back to sarah connor telling him about his father and everything you know tying this entire story up and then i'd literally end it how the um episode begins with uh the with the attack on the final base so i'd have the final attack on the base in the first episode and i'd end it as the final attack is about to begin in the final episode so you'd see the entire time loop take place and i think yeah i, I think going back to alex garland so literally rounding out the directors i think would be a great thing to do and i think that would i think that would be it's in a one-off anthology series, a one-off story of this Terminator franchise, and I think it worked really well. Directors for this um, would be, I've got in mind, such as Bear McCreary. Uh, he's done the recent God of War soundtrack. He did uh, Rings of Power. Also, he did Battlestar Galactica. So that was an interesting choice. Uh, Michael Giacchino, because I think he's just become, he's becoming such an amazing composer now. Like on John Williams level, in my, in my honest opinion. And obviously, he can actually adapt themes that are from the past into the present because you'd have Brad Fidel's Terminator theme throughout, and he'd do an excellent job with that. Uh, Ramin uh, Jawadi, who did the Game of Thrones soundtrack, I thought that'd be an interesting thing to come into it. Or, I think you guys would like this, Paul Leonard Morgan. So he did the Cyberpunk 2077 soundtrack. He's also hmm. done to, other properties. Sorry. Yeah, you had me, to, to, to be fair, you had me when you said Michael J. Kilano. Yeah. Giacchino. But also you can you can mix it up as well. You don't have to have the same composer for specific episodes because obviously he also did Dread. He did um, he did the Tomorrow Man. He did um, this is um, he did Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and he's done like you know all these different properties. This is uh, Paul Logan, uh, Paul Leonard. Um, sorry, my my notes are gone now. Uh, Paul Leonard Morgan. Sorry, and that's um, but I'd have the Brad Fidel original Terminator theme play out for the entire show maybe adapted so as in the first like in the past sequences is very low key like the original theme but as it gets to the finale it builds up it's sort of like an evolving theme towards like you know the fate of the universe the fate of the world decides on this theme essentially like breaking fate essentially and i think that's how it would play out uh, i've got casting choices uh i do think joe Creary, i mentioned before uh, would be a great choice from stranger things dylan o'brien again dev patel was actually a good um I actually thought he might be a good choice as well. Sarah Connor, I thought Zendaya, Tessa Thompson, Zoe Kravitz, Florence Pugh, Maya Hawke, uh, Melissa Benoist, who played as Supergirl. So I think she has a great physical presence, but also she's a great actress as well. Uh, the Terminator is the interesting one. Obviously, you're going to have different Terminators going into the show. You know, I don't want, I do not want the same Arnold Schwarzenegger style Terminator, in my opinion. You know, you have to change it up. So the Terminators might have for this are. John Cena, Jason Momoa, 
Chris Evans is an interesting choice because he's usually portrayed as the good person. But I think after um, a certain film he was in recently, I'm not going to spoil it for people if you haven't seen it yet, he can portray a darker character. And also Snowpiercer, we'll go watch the movie for that. Tom Hopper, who's in an Umbrella Academy and Resident Evil film. And also, sorry, James. So I was going to say, I thought I thought before Captain America, uh, Chris Evans played quite a few jerks. Oh, yeah, sh- yeah. Good. In Scott Pilgrim, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah no. And the and final also, person... Also, Fantastic Four, really, when, when that, that, that's not yeah. exactly... It's a bit of a jerk, like the uh, human sort. My final two are Henry Cavill, which I think, because after Mission Impossible, uh, Ghost Protocol... He did an amazing, immense performance. But also the final one is Winston Duke. You may know him as M'Baku from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. He is such a physical presence in that movie. John Connor. Uh, so uh, Matt Boomer, who's, uh, you know, from certain properties. He was also, he was also, almost played Superman once. Oscar Isaac, I think is an amazing choice. Like after Dune and all the recent properties he's been in. Michael B. Jordan. I'm going to throw his name out there more because I, I love this actor, Rahul Kali. I think he'd be a great choice. Um, after Midnight Mass, a broken like sheriff essentially, and <clears throat> this is an interesting one. I don't know how you guys would feel about this, but John Boyega as John Connor. How how would you how do you guys feel about John Boyega as John Connor? Mm, uh, a bit tricky to move from Star Wars to Terminator, maybe, but potentially yes. Because um, a lot of people call him the next Denzel, like maybe, maybe. Be honest, I'm not sure I've actually seen him in anything. I mean, that yeah. Have you seen it? Well, he was in Attack of the Block back in the day. Um, he was the main actor in that, and he obviously he was in the Star Wars movies. He's he's done movies since then. Um, he was also recently in the Woman King as the the king of the, uh, you know, the African um nation that he was protected from. But yeah, so that's my um that's my castings essentially. That's my like what I do for that. So how do how do you guys feel about that? I kind of went on for a bit there. I yeah. I think that would really work, um, keeping it in an enclosed time loop and <clears throat> having different directors between the modern day and the future stuff would work really well, certainly. Um, yeah, yeah, overall, I would watch that, probably. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept, definitely. It sounds like you've done a lot of work to uh, um, work it out. Something like you probably need to actually do an actual pitch for us. <laughs> Honestly, I'd love to, you know, my, my other pitch was like, you know, it, it was a much smaller one, but where basically it is a Terminator movie, but you don't know it's a Terminator movie till the end. So you go watch the movie, you just think it's a stalker movie, but it turns out to Terminator movie at the end. I think that'd be an interesting concept as well. But I think if you're going to tell the story for our, literally, like how Star Wars does Anakin Skywalker's journey from boy to death, spoilers, ironically, uh, as Darth Vader, I think telling John Connor's entire life before his birth up until sending his father back in time would be a really interesting concept in my opinion. And I know it's been done before, but I think it needs, I think it needs a complete, like, you know, refresh in my eyes. And mm-hmm. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, he brought an immense presence. To these He's a fucking amazing, you know, person to do what he's done for all these entire movie series and Linda Hamilton as well. But I do think it needs a new lick of paint. And I think Terminator do, does need that. And the Sarah Connor Chronicles did a great job of that. Because it, it, at the end, of, spoilers people for Sarah Connor Chronicles, at the end of that show, John Connor gets sent to the future as a teenager. No one knows who John Connor is. Like, but then the show just ends because it got cancelled. Pissed me the fuck off in my opinion because that was an amazing twist of a show. But yeah, I, I just think like, you know, having these different directors come in, as you said, the different visual art styles would work well for it because 
and having the specific tones for it as well. Because I think you can have a bit, of le- you can have levity in the earlier times, but as it goes forward, it becomes more desperate and more despair mm-hmm. and everything, and, and you know the strain of the future on John Connor. So yeah, that's that's my final uh, choice. Yeah, amazing. Oh, that's uh, yeah. I, I didn't expect to you know go on a bit long for that, but you know, I just think it goes to show the passion we have for like all these all these properties we'd like to have rebooted possibly and you know what what we'd like to do with them i'm mm. not gonna lie if people take this if i have eventually find out that they do eventually do this in real life i have got audio proof so i will uh take it to the big wigs i would say hi i came with this concept first <laughs> uh but yeah no uh thank you guys for you know your amazing ip just and also just just specific movie like you know adjustments in like remakes not to an amazing degree but also just like, you know, pulling specific uh, f- um, threads and everything to adjust the narrative. I thought it was, um, mm. I do like how we had a good mix there, you know, specifically me doing TV anthologies, you doing anime adaptations, Fergus, and obviously the um, the taboo Akira, which I'm hoping it gets made one day for you, to be honest, because like, I think it needs to happen. Yeah, the manga just go, I was just casually glimpsing the plot breakdowns of where the manga actually goes um, after they made the film. And it goes to some, it, it gets hectic. Like it's, there's like three different Akiras and there's military intervention and just like, I, I've, yeah, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of unused material for Akira, <laughs> turns out. For you, James, you know, the fact that you came in and did this whole like, you know, Take of the Dark Knight Rises, which um, is a good movie, but a lot of people do have their criticisms for it and you coming in like and injecting a completely new character into the mix and, or, you know, Adapting a character that's not never been done before, so which I think also Batman mm. does need. That's a topic we have for in the future. People, uh, I, I love what you did, that man. To be honest, awesome. Yeah, I think I, I would love to see a light. I would love to see Azrael in in the film. He, I did him in Gotham TV series, but I would love to see him in actual done properly in the film. Do you think with the Batman? Because uh, we'll talk about this in the future, but with the Batman movie series, I think they're going to build up to the Court of Owls at the end. And Asriel could actually be tied into that to a point, like with the talents in Asriel, that could that could be in- injected at some point. Yeah, I, I, if I go that direction, then I'll be more than happy. It's a good direction. And also because it's not doing the Joker over and over and over again. Even though we're going to have the Joker still, I still think you need him as the final villain if you're going to do that. But yeah, yeah, you can you can, you can have him. Yeah, build, build, build up to him. But maybe maybe haven't like they planned in the first film, but cut the scene of, uh, are you kind of like the like lecture. lecture character in prison? Maybe even you can have them pulling some strings uh, from from his prison cell. But definitely slowly build up that character in, in films until you're ready to use them properly. So yeah. yeah, no, definitely agree. I definitely agree there, man. Right, but no, again, I like to thank uh, James and Fergus for like bringing those amazing like you know things we actually did it's great to be honest so that is it people that is it uh i'd like to thank james and fergus for joining me today thank you once again yep cheers nice been good yeah and it's actually been really good to get back to a, a topical discussion and what we could actually do with that and we're definitely going to be doing more of them in the future people we're actually currently working on that we will be doing a lot of favorite lists going into christmas because you know we've the cold comfort season. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. So play the games because they're so delightful. Uh, we'll be doing movies, TV shows, and video games going into Christmas, what our favorite comfort ones are. But also we'll be looking into our top lists of the year, video games, TV shows, and 
um, uh, movies. Oh, I blanked there for a second. I've said it multiple times in the past. Uh, we'll probably do that like at the start of 2023, as then we look into 2023 as well, because there are still some games to come out before the end of the year, such as the Callisto Protocol and Midnight Suns. So obviously, definitely looking forward to that. But people, it's been great to be back today. You know, go check out our pre previous episodes, you know, video game soundtracks with Becky Machine. Go check out her album now, Another Atmosphere, on Spotify and listening platforms. Uh, go search her socials for that as well. Uh, go, go get the merchandise, people. You know, because Fergus had an amazing time and he looked amazing in the outfit as well, specifically. Thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll go check out our previous uh, Black Panel Wakanda uh, Forever episode. It was, a, it was a great review episode. And the 44 episodes before this, people, we are now on to episode 45. So we're, we're closing out to that number 50, people. Almost getting to that number 50. I actually think our, Chris, our final Christmas episode will be episode 50 or 52, because we may do a couple of special episodes between that point, which is awesome, people, which is absolutely amazing. But yes, people, I want to thank Fergus and James for joining me again today. If you've got any questions, queries, or compliments, or what film properties, do you have any comments on what we talked about today? Do you have any controversial opinions on what we what you do differently with these properties? What uh, who, who you'd cast specifically in these roles? Will Akira eventually be made? Why it won't be made just to piss off Fergus even more. And also, you know, or maybe just some IPs that you really want to see rebooted. You know, what what would you like to be made? Send, but to do that, people, send that in to nmipodcast.outlook.com. That's nmipodcast.outlook.com. Or find our socials at nmicast on Instagram and Twitter. Send us a DM on there, you know, you know, at us on there, you know, see what we have. If Twitter's still around by that point, that's for sure. Um, but also we are now on um, Hive people. So just search at NMICast on Hive. I know it's a completely new platform, but I know they might be doing Spotify integration on that platform. So you may be able to listen from Hive. Uh, I need to look into that more, but we do have a platform there as well. I've been your host, people, though. It's been great to be back again and come back next time. And we look forward to seeing you all again. I've been your host, Nate One. Stay safe, everyone. Keep safe. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.